What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Awakened Catholic Show. Today, I am interviewing Edmund Mitchell. You heard that right, an exclusive interview. He is not making himself available for any other interviews on any other platforms, only here on Awakened Catholic, on the Awakened Catholic Show. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming your way right now in this episode, right after this. Welcome to the Awakened Catholic Show. Hi. I am the Puerto Rican pirate Juan Pablo, most widely known for my pirating escapades and my silky smooth skin. Oh, Juan Pablo, does Nick know that we're talking? Can he hear us? It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too, Juan Pablo. I have to admit, you're much more attractive than Nick is. I've never talked to a puppet before. Puppet? Where? Dude, welcome to the Awakened Catholic Show. A lot of people don't oh, know this. Welcome. A lot of people don't know this. But you literally are the reason Awakened Catholic exists. I know. I know. Do you? Uh, I, yep. I have a habit of making things exist. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> we both love podcasts. And I know that I encourage everyone in my life to start a podcast. This is correct. Except... While you encourage some people, you also force other people. This is true. And I did force you. So you were in town, uh, and you were staying at our house, and um, you were here for a speaking gig. And one night, towards the mm -hmm. end of your trip, mm -hmm. we were all hanging out, having some whiskey, enjoying life. No. Mm -hmm. oh. And you were like, Nick and Alina, people want to know. People want you to make a podcast. The people want it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I said people wanted, like, you were a, a struggling musician, a struggling <laughs> producer, up and coming, you know, really trying to find a foot in the world. And I like to reach down to people like that. That's so generous of you. I said, Nick, Nick, people, I know you don't think this about yourself because you wouldn't, but people want to know about you. And why not share that through the medium of the internet, through podcasting and shows and YouTube? And then people will fall in love with, with you guys and your story, and it'll be interesting. And then they'll say, well, what else does he do? He does production, or he does music. Or he... So I was just encouraging you to use your, your energy and your time uh, for those types of things. Yeah, and so literally that night, we made a podcast, and you were our guest, and we that we, night... We made a we made a few podcasts. We, we made like six episodes that night. <laughs> it was something. It was, a, it was a full night of podcasting. Like me and you were just podcast. Me, you and your wife were podcasting like all night long. Yeah, it's true. And so thus then was born the Nick and Alina podcast. Out of that night of podcasting, something was conceived. Mm. A, a, a bigger th a thing that, that grew out of that fecundity into a bigger animal, a bigger entity. I'm not comfortable using the word fecundity when it comes to you and I in a room. <laughs> oh, like, okay. All right. Well, maybe I'm like a little offended, spiritual fecundity. Okay, fine. Fine. Whatever. You know what? You can't hurt me. You're in a little tiny square right here on my screen, and I am on another uh, separate square to indicate that we are not the same video feed to the viewers. So whatever. Fine. So... Then, like, Alina and I started a podcast uh, following that. We kept up with it. Um, and then eventually we were like, wait, we, we should do something beyond this. Like, so it's not Bigger. just the Nick and Alina show. Like, let's just do something crazy for Jesus and do 
all of what this is now. And we yep. had no idea it would become what it is now. But um, yeah, I that's did. kind of the cool I thing knew. about saying yes to God is like, you always think you know what you're saying yes to. And then he's like, ah, I got, I got some other plans. He's like, he's like you there, kid with the basket. How many podcasts do you have in that basket? It's like, <laughs> oh, only one podcast. He's like, feed it to the people. And then suddenly it's 12 podcasts, you know? Yeah. You just keep pulling podcasts out of your little basket and more podcasts come out. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty much how it goes. That's yeah. theological. It is. That's super deep, dude. I mean, we could just stop right there. I want to come in person because I really think like a lot of the pressure of this remote stuff is all the tech and stuff. And mm -hmm. I messed up a bunch of tech. I had a bunch of stuff, fun stuff prepared. But I think if I was in person again, I think I, I think I could tear up that studio. I think I could take, I think, I think I could take Mr. Grody. You have a stacked staff, by the way, your shows, there's like a lot of meat. There's a lot of muscle oh, yeah. going on that Andrew dude, who's physically spiritual. I could get spiritually physical with him. And I think, <laughs> I think I could take, I think I could take him on. I think father Jeff Walker, you know, he looks like he's still in shape and he's kickboxing. I think I could take your whole staff. I could get tear up a studio or a man show or an, or an awake show and a night show and a sleep show. I could do it all. I dare you. I'll come. I'll come and do it. Did you cancel my episodes that we did? Is it, are they, can, can your dear listeners go listen to those episodes that you've so lo lovingly referenced? They are uh, between me and you. I think that are they're they archived. I think that they're still available on the Nick and Alina YouTube channel. Go find them, guys. Go find them. Go find those episodes. <laughs> those episodes make me laugh so hard. It was ridiculous. There, there are parts of those episodes where I cannot keep it together. So It's true. And the crazy cool. thing is we, we did talk about real stuff, and, and but it was we also did. ridiculous. It, that's, that's our MO. Me and Nick. Nick and Edmund. <laughs> when are we going to start the Nick and Edmund show? Right now, we just did. Oh this my is it. gosh! The beginning of a new era. The dawn. We're so, cheers, man. We're so, we're so, uh, we're so fruitful with our efforts. We are quite fecund. Oh gosh, here we go. You took a, a pretty big leap yourself recently. So, you know, sometime after you were here and we started the podcast thing, and then, you know, Alina and I just started pouring more and more into all of this. Like, um, the Lord ended up guiding us to like leave behind our regular full-time job uh, at the time I was working for the diocese and just pour totally into this awakened Catholic thing. And um, you were a really helpful friend in that discernment. Like there was one point at which you just sat down with me and you were just like, Nick, do you really mean to tell to tell me that this is not possible, that you, that you couldn't pull this off? And mm. it was conversations like that where you were just brutally honest, but in like, Real... That's kind of our relationship. It is. It is 100%. I don't know why. I don't have that with a lot of other friends. Really? For some reason, I, yeah, for some reason, I feel like I can just be painfully and and hurtfully honest with you. <laughs> well, I've never been hurt by you, so... Oh, that's good. Try harder. Oh. <laughs> um, but not on air. Not, not on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so anyways, you recently took a similar leap yourself where you left behind years of oh boy. traditional, yeah. conventional ministry, and yep. um, you are doing your thing. You have your podcast, you're, you, uh, you're freelancing on some different projects. Like, Talk to us about what you've been up to. Okay, so I never thought I would leave parish ministry. I was like a full-timer, long-timer. Uh, I wanted to retire in parish ministry, and it's maybe a longer story, but um, I ended up, yeah, quitting um, with no real plan other than what I've been doing part-time on the side. Not even part-time, just freelancing on the side, just, you know, making, making funny things on the internet, uh, speaking to God in public, and like 
podcasting and video production and stuff. So anyways, so that kind of grew into the idea of a studio and doing freelance work. And basically the, the current iteration of that is that we do, um, basically content marketing for personality driven brands. And I'm not sure if that's with Catholic brands. I mean, most people that know me are run Catholic ministries or businesses and stuff. So we've done that. We try not to exclusively do that, but I think the big thing is just kind of what you're doing. Like 20% of my time, I would love to just spend making my own stuff and the stuff that makes me giggle or that I think should exist. And so the show and other projects that we do is just, you know, like, like the work that we do, the freelance work that we do funds, the other things that we want to do, the 20%. So that's, um, that's the very short version of that story. Yeah. That's awesome. So right now, what is your biggest area of focus? Do you think you're pouring more into paying my mortgage? Uh, <laughs> the mortgage, I think also food for our kids. We have way too many kids. Well, we have enough kids. We have an actual an acceptable virtuous amount of kids. We're open to the amount of kids we have. Where it's just days. likely enough that you're Catholic when, when seen by yeah. other people, but you might not there you be. Go. Yep. Okay. There you go. Uh, so yeah, that's probably our biggest area of focus is just surviving. So, um, I wish I could say I have this like super keen business plan or, uh, but it's just like every day showing up at this studio that, uh, you know, I started a podcast, the show in my dining room. And then mm -hmm. at one point it turned into let's add video on top of that. Cause no one's watching. So let's just make it like so over the top. And then, uh, then it turned into renting out this studio in grapevine and it's just gotten bigger from there. So we're just, every time someone emails me and says, Hey, let's work together. I'm like, Let, let's, let's do it. <laughs> so that's, what's been going on now. I mean, we have a cool team. Um, the current iteration is, uh, it's just interesting. So it's a lot of different things, but I think the main focus, my area of expertise would be video production, content marketing, and social media, which are really, really fun words to say on a podcast. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's, that's those what people are the terms. Want to hear. Yeah, those are the yeah. terms you want to use. Hundred mm -hmm. percent. Um, are you podcasting? If you're not saying those words, uh, yeah, yeah. Is this a podcast? What is a podcast? You never get <laughs> you never get a room full of podcasters more frustrated than just asking that question to the room of podcasters. What is a podcast? Mm -hmm. And then everyone gets upset. Edmund Mitchell. We're going to transition now into what has been <laughs> referred to as the Kerygma speed round. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Kerygma. That's right. Yeah. First question. Who is Jesus to you? I don't know. No, uh, uh, who is Jesus to me? How much time do I have? It's an elevator pitch. Uh, for who? For you? For me? For Joe Schmo. Who is Joe Schmo? You give you give him whatever background you need. Uh, Jesus is. Hmm. Jesus is an unprecedented historical figure who claimed to be God who I believe is God and that changes everything. Mm. Amen. Amen. I love that. All right. Second question. Question. Yeah. Second question. question. What is an elevator pitch? What is your elevator pitch for what, life? What is Jesus? an elevator? Pitch? <laughs> what now is that, an elevator pitch? <laughs> what's your elevator pitch? Next question. What is an elevator pitch? <laughs> okay. What say it again? What is your elevator pitch for life with Jesus? Man, dude, that's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of a lot to unpack. If you are depends. literally in an elevator and you have the opportunity, okay, okay. let's make this meta. Let's make this meta. Okay, okay. here we go. Here we go. I'm ta I'm taking issue with the whole with the whole content. I'm throwing the game board over in general. I, the answer to that question really depends on the person. It depends on who's in the room. Like I would do much more listening first 
in, I would ask questions and do listening first before answering that question at mm. all. I mean, this is like, like, let's get really meta. Like I, I, I deal with a lot of baggage of this, of like how much we sometimes talk first before acknowledging the person. I think when I first got into maybe evangelization or Christianity, I was like all about Scott Hahn and Jeff Cavins and apologetics and answering questions. No one's asked me yet. Right. And I think, um, yeah, I think I would answer those questions by asking questions, which, Hey, I'm in good company. Jesus did that. So I'm Jesus. I'm literally Fair a enough. saint. I'm, I'm a perfect person is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Next question. What's the next one? Throw the next. Now I'm feeling good. Now I understand how to do this. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, so wait, so just, just cause I feel like I didn't quite get an answer there other than like, exactly. Man. Listen exactly. first, listen first. I'm totally here for listen first. Once you have done the listening. Yeah. What is your elevator pitch? For a life with Jesus. I mean, it, it totally. Okay. It depends on the person. Sure. Yeah. Sell like, it to the what? listener. Sell it to the viewer right here, right now. Well, who's li like, what do they want to know? What do I they want to know? know about? If you, if it, what is okay, your, then, then here, if you could, here's if the, you, no, no. You know what, Edmund? No. If you could, if you could come up with one reason that it is important to you to be a Christian. Oh, to me? Oh, that's a completely different question, Nick. Um, to be a Christian or Jesus? Were we focusing on Jesus here? Well, we all want to be Jesus if we're Christian, but no, to be a Christian, like to walk with Jesus. You know, Jesus. this is this is exactly why my parents did not like raising me. You know, like <laughs> this right here is exactly why my parents were like, you're intolerable. Like, just become an adult. You're emancipated. Go. My um, willingness to tolerate you, does that mean I love you more than your parents do? Yes, that does. Mom, okay. sorry. Uh <laughs> Okay, what is so? Would say it again. Hit me again. Throw oh it at gosh. me. Come on, give it to me. I'm ready this time. I'm here. I'm awake. I'm alive. Oh, what Lord. is your elevator pitch for a life oh with God. Jesus? <laughs> There's still a third question here, bro. Okay, okay, fine. All those caveats. Um, I believe there's more to life than the physical. That means there must be something else out there. I think Jesus is the most accurate story that makes sense of reality to me. And it's the most compelling and moving adventure I've found to live. And I mm. think living out that way, regardless of whether or not you're listening and you think that's true, it's the most compelling story of the human condition and how one ought to live answering that question that philosophers can only deal with how ought we act it's the most compelling and convicting and resonating with me that i've come across and i've tried you know i've, I've tried reading the book on scientology i like i've done all you know I've, tony robbins oprah like let's go you know uh buddha give me give me like big big religious figures literally and i will read those but the best i've come across so far has been jesus and i would encourage you to look into it <laughs> this is the worst you're the worst nick <laughs> this is the absolute literal no no that, i think that's a great um hey dude you got 10 seconds god <laughs> huh? hmm? 10 seconds go you know as as articulate and eloquent and you know just generally well read well spoken on the faith as you are 
it was probably of all the guests I've ever had the hardest for you to answer those questions. Good, good. That that and that and that shows how brilliant and smart and and thoughtful I am because mm. I reject that question. I reject. I reject the reject temptation. The premise. Reject I the reject premise. the temptation to answer that question because I think by answering that question, you're giving away too much of like it's just not real. It's not like. I'm on my high horse here, man. I think that the premise of the Kerygma speed round, the idea is if someone's listening or watching that is curious about faith, it's just every guest kind of provides a different perspective on like um, ideas that might intrigue the viewer or listener towards faith. Uh, Yeah, and I guess my, my heart just goes out to people that I think I think first and foremost of people that are not convinced. Mm -hmm. And those people often, if you just give them an answer to a question that they're not asking, then they're going to reject the answer. Cause it's like, well, yeah. that doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I want to yeah. get into a little bit of that with you <laughs> in the, the second segment of the show. Um, okay. Because are we going to a commercial break. Hello, we, everybody. we are going to in a moment, but first we need to finish the Kerygma speed round. Okay. Question number three. Yeah. Lay now on that me. we've established question number three, I'm ready for question number three. We've established two Jesuses. We've established uh, your elevator pitch for having life with him. Third question is elevator pitch for specifically living life with Jesus as a Catholic. So specifically for being Catholic. Oh my! I believe in you. Nick, say it again. Say, ask the question again. Go, come on, lay it on me one more time. Say that question one more time. Okay. I just take issue with the whole thing. I mean, I know it's fun. Well, it okay. isn't just what? fun. People have different uh, different ideas or ways of thinking of faith or of the Lord or of the church. That, that They're can, all wrong. They're all wrong? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, get, do it again. I'm here. I'm open. I'm, wa- I'm receptive here. I'm, I'm more confident in the reception these questions got by a bishop of the church when he was on my show where he, well, ans- he hey. seemed – he managed to answer these questions. So Hey, hey I- I'll talk to Bish. Yeah. Send them my way. All let's right. talk. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk. Uh, elevator pitch for life specifically as a Catholic. As opposed to Mormon, atheist? No, as opposed to... Non-denominational? As opposed to non-denominational or just Christian in general. Uh, okay, as opposed to our Protestant brothers and sisters. Is that what you're saying? Is that the question? If that's what you want to say. What the... I'm not I, saying that. It's not my answer. What? What? You wrote the question. What's the question mean? I'm not about to get mean? canceled for this. What does the question mean? Your Honor, point of privilege. I, no, wait, point no. Of, the, point so of the question is point of information. There, there are today, whatever number of tens of thousands of flavors of Christianity. Yeah. Okay. And so, if you want to live life with Jesus, you have quite uh-huh. the buffet of options. Your eyebrows okay? okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you have lots of options in general. Religions, lots of religions in general. <laughs> <laughs> What the frick are you doing with your eyebrows? I don't, I'm engaged. <laughs> what are you talking? I mean, I'm here. I'm engaged. Okay, all there's right. a lot. Okay, so of so all the religions of all the religions. Why should why, someone specifically be Catholic? Of all how the is different, this any different than all the other questions you asked me? Like why Jesus? They're all know, the same. The question. irony behind this is this is the Kerygma speed round, and this is now become These are all the same question. These are they're all not the, the same, same question. question. Yes, they are. Okay, why specifically Catholic as opposed to any th- other religion in the world? Specifically Christian religions, right? Oh, okay. Why we're climbing the ladder to... here? So first Jesus, then Christianity, and now Catholicism. You know, my kid, my kids didn't realize that we were Catholic, and they're like eight. 
<laughs> we at the dinner table and I was like, I like my my wife was talking about uh or my, I came home and my kids were like, Oh gosh, Trump didn't win the second election. I was like, I did not realize we're raising politically active kids. And they're like, We're so upset, Biden won, and all my kids were so upset. And I was like, Well, you know, it is you know, I just was throwing this bomb out there. I don't know, I don't care how people feel about this, but I was just saying, like, it is interesting that Biden is like our first or a Catholic president we've had in a long time, whether or not you guys feel about whether or not he's Catholic, whatever, but like the word Catholics associated with him and my kids immediate, their reaction to that as political as they are, my son Dominic said, what's Catholic. <laughs> so your kids are more Republican than they are Catholic. We should work on and, that admin. <laughs> and, 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 and dear listeners should know that I've worked in parish ministry their entire lives like <laughs> professionally i've gotten paid to talk about being catholic and talking about jesus and my kids were like what's catholic so we just but, need to get your kids to pay you yes but to the to that point though uh we just talk about Jesus. Like, mm. it's not like we bring up the Protestant Reformation to our eight-year-old. We're like, right. all right, so this is Jesus, but also this is the right Jesus that we believe. Mm. Your neighbors down the street, they don't, I know they say Jesus, but it's a different Jesus, you know, like, so uh, we've just always just, when I say Christian for me, I mean like Jesus's message. And for me, mm -hmm. like it's, it's the authoritative message of Jesus has been handed on for generations so for me, when I say I'm Catholic, I'm saying I'm Christian. It's it's one and the same for me. So for me, I think if you read the early church fathers, and there's so many other people out there that have done great jobs, Scott Hahn and Rome Sweet Home and apologetics is mm -hmm. all stuff. But for me, being Catholic as opposed to other religions, I think in the words of my ex-girlfriend, it's kind of like I don't have to get rid of any of the things I already believe as a non-denominational or Christian, but I just I just get more of Jesus if I'm Catholic. And so that's that's my uh that's my elevator pitch, right? That was Yeah, I love that. So you get more of Jesus if you're Catholic, but I also love what you said about the idea that to you it just is Christianity and and I think that that kind of taps into a beautiful reality which is beautiful in one hand and tragic in the other that like for so many centuries that was the truth and that yeah. there was one church christianity was catholicism it was synonymous yeah. and yeah um it, it is sad that we do have those distinctions now it's it kind of flies in the face of you know christ's prayer in john 17 i think it was 17 but at the same time like we're always going to have that issue i don't know if you know about this website called twitter.com but like <laughs> there's a lot of catholics that say they're catholic and and everyone is like you don't fold your napkin the right way you don't have uh the you know you don't have enough genders on the altar like it's just crazy you know like like all the isms yeah, yeah. so so it, yeah, it is painful that we have so many like formal schisms, mm -hmm. like all, broken into all these things. But also, like that's it's it's not something that should make you go, oh well, let me just give up on the whole Christianity thing. I mean, it's gonna happen. Like mm -hmm. family family disagreements come up, and that's it's in the the first it. it it's in the Acts of the Apostles, like St. Peter and St. Paul. And do we yeah. eat meat? Do we not eat meat? Like, what do we, like, uh, pork, like yeah. all of that. Right? I think that that's where the difference is, though, is that that is one family with some infighting. And yeah. I think that the Reformation kind of represents more of a divorce in a family. So it's one thing yeah. for parents to disagree with each other or disagree with their children. It's another thing for the kid to uh, disown his family, disown his parents, or for the parents to divorce. And I feel like True. that's kind of where we're at, which yeah, and, and but, but But also it sucks, but also like, you know, God makes, like God takes every 
bad thing. Yeah. God takes every sin and like retransforms it and uses that itself. Like that's that's the crucifixion. That's like the cross. He takes all of that and then retransforms it. It's crazy that Franciscan University, my alma mater, like some of the heaviest hitting professors there at this very Catholic university, most of them are converts. And like how beautiful it is that we had converts come to evangelize us. Like we had to have Protestants come evangelize That's so us. so interesting. And teach us how to be better Catholics. Like I had to have a, I had to have an ex-Protestant come teach me, a cradle Catholic, how to be a better Catholic. It's kind of cool how, how God allows, uh, how God uses that, right? Absolutely. And even in my own story, I came back to faith from agnosticism, flirting with atheism. Yeah, and... we were super worried about you. Like you were way out there. <laughs> yeah. Like it was rough. You was, didn't know me young. then. Oh, I knew you. I knew you before you were born. It was, <laughs> yes, before you were knit in your mother's womb. I knew. No, but I came back to faith in the context of a non-denominational church. And then uh, it was, you know, as I started being open to it again, that I started to ask the same questions I'd asked before, running into the same frustrations. Yep. The only Who place I wasn't parents. looking was Catholicism, and that's, yep. that ended up being the answer. So yeah, yeah, that's um, beautiful. You're yeah. a beautiful man. You're stop it. You're beautiful. Get out of wow. here with that. All right. I don't work <laughs> at a parish anymore. Okay. What's next? What other question you have? Describe well, the United States. So I actually I do have a topic I want to hit with you, but before we hit do. It. We're going to go to a commercial break. Hello. Listen to Father Mike Schmitz talk to you in your ears. Nope. Um, okay. All right. So before I do, um, you, you're in Texas, correct? Yes. You know that, Nick. Don't do this. Well, I just, I, I'm speaking on behalf of the audience. You know, the viewers Colleen, and leave that in, Colleen. Leave that in. <laughs> so in Texas, um, you know, there's there's been rumors left and right for years now about secession. Um, and I don't know where okay. you stand yeah. on that. Um, I'm standing. <laughs> great. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting when they were talking about um, potentially seceding, am I saying that word correctly? I feel really insecure about it. It's secesting. <laughs> it's se no, it's se <laughs> seceding. Seceding. Um, no, seceding. Seceding. One of the things they talked about is, you know, there were parts of what, you know, were happening uh, in Washington or whatever that were frustrations and we're going to be our own country, whatever. Uh, and one of the things that, that they took issue with is that the Biden administration has come down really hard about our Catholic Weird Stuff segment. And Texas was like, no, we're not about this life. We want the yeah. Catholic Weird yeah, Stuff yeah. segment. So here we go. Everybody, welcome back. It's uh, great to have you here today on today's show. Hey, man. Um, Edmund, how are you? It's good to see you again. Thanks for joining oh, us today's show. it's good to see you too. Yeah. Um, we go way back, and I just want to thank you again as we started the episode. Uh, you helped start Awaken Catholic here, and uh, I just really I did. Unfortunately, yeah. I am to blame. I am to blame for all of this. Yeah. Or yep. fortunately. Yep. So, Wait, are we live? What's going on? Someone's touching your ear. Yeah, we're live. Um, again, oh, okay. folks, uh, my name is Nick De La Torre, and I'm president of Wake and Catholic. Uh, I'm married yeah. to Alina De La Torre. Okay. Beautiful woman. Um, beautiful woman. What's that she like? Is. Love. What's that like being married to her? <laughs> well, I tell you. Wow. I mean, she's. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have to say it. <laughs> how much? How much? Well, well, you could say it. You could say it. You could say it. How about you say it? Actually, I think you should say it. <laughs> all right. It's been a long day. I'm just going to start to cry here. <laughs> He's going to start crying. It's, Why are you crying, Nick? We've, 
We've marriage is beautiful, Nick. Marriage, marriage is beautiful. It's hard, it's hard and it's soft. It's it's up and it's down. We've had a tough week. Yeah. Therapy. Just, therapy. Yeah. I use Dave McLeod. Shout out to Dave McLeod. I've got him so much business. You guys should call him. Dave McLeod with the pop checks. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Teleconferencing. I yeah, I talk to him a lot. Um, yeah. No, you know, I just, I just been struggling with my own masculinity. Um, <laughs> like who, who I am. Um, yeah. as Nick De La Torre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it's tough because a lot of the other show hosts here on Awakened Catholic, and I'm sure you appreciate this too, you know, you're just surrounded. They're very masculine. Very, very masculine, masculine. Very yeah. manly, very good looking, charming. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I feel intimidated by that. I feel a little. Well, and Nick, like, like Nick, you yeah. know, they say that like Socrates was not an attractive man. And I think you should take a lot of comfort in that, that you yeah. and Socrates are both ugly, but smart, you know, that I think yeah. like, like being a man, you know, not mm -hmm. a lot of men who are Puerto Rican like yourself are yeah. ugly, yeah. but I think that makes, that's your unfair advantage. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think yeah. I can, yeah, sympathize with, I just, you know, I just been losing a lot of hair and, um, it just, yeah. it, I just feel uncomfortable, um, a little bit, yeah. but anyway, I, I don't want to make the show about me. I mean, everything else uh, in my life is pretty much about me. Yeah. This is the Catholic weird stuff segment. So let's get to it. Uh, okay. the All Holy right. Sepulcher. Is that, did I get that right? We're going to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's an article here. There's a, there's an immovable ladder that is, uh, leaned against, uh, a window at the Holy Sepulchre, mm -hmm. and it's been there since 1757 because the church is owned by or is in control of like six different churches, and so they can't move it until they all agree what they can do, what they should do with the ladder. Wow, that's really interesting. So, like six oh. different Christian denominations—is that what you're talking about? I guess so. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little it's a little metaphorical here because you know, yeah, like there's. Since uh, the 18th century, during the reign of the Ottoman Sultan Osman III, mm -hmm. the status quo agreement had been signed. And so uh, there's multiple groups that have authority over the site. They all have to agree unanimously to make any changes, mm -hmm. however small. Mm -hmm. So those six Christian churches all have rights, and nobody uh, nobody knows what to do about the ladder. Wow. Yeah. Um, have you seen this ladder? No, never. I saw a photo. Okay. Well, that's... Yeah. You're basically an expert on it then so yeah yeah, yeah. i saw a headline yeah. i didn't even read the article oh oh wow yeah um yeah well hey this has been great edmund thanks for coming on the show today all right that was a great catholic weird stuff segment edmund thank you for your <laughs> profound insights into this mysterious immovable ladder um yeah it's so kooky <laughs> That's those Edmund. knuckleheads. Yeah, those knuckleheads. They better figure that out. All right. So I, I saw a headline kind of like you with the ladder. And similarly, I didn't read the article itself. But here is uh, the, the headline. And the reason okay. I want to tackle this with you is because you're like, you're like, you're known across the church. All sub Don't two, all sub two billion of them. Don't say it. You're known as the... Uh, evangelical guy the guy that knows no, how to and i don't mean true. evangelical in like the evangelical I say, sense I, I thought you were gonna say the most attractive catholic alike well no 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 that's me oh okay uh you're you're known as the guy that knows how to evangelize like that's not you true. ask you ask no, 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 no stop it forming intentional disciples sherry Wydell. you ask sherry Wydell. I hey who's, book. who's the evangelization guy she would say edmund mitchell that's not true you, you know, ask ex-president trump who's the evangelization guy 
Edmund Mitchell. It'd be more like Edmund Mitchell or something like that. I'm, I'm a guy, I got a bad Trump. Anyways, <clears throat> you're the evangelization guy. And I guess I saw this, this headline Pentecostal snake handlers now calling oh, yeah. on Jesus and doctors after high profile death. Uh, and I wanted to kind of get into this thing. You know, we as Catholics, we aren't yeah. like generally snake handlers. Um, yeah. There might be some rogue. I, I would call uh, them crazy. Look, I don't want to be look, offensive. Man, it depends on the snake. I'll handle a snake. It depends on the snake. <laughs> if it's a friendly snake, if I know where it lives, if I know its family, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, yeah. it's next kin. Like, I'll handle a snake. I, I mean, feel like the I'm premise, not I feel like the premise, though, is like doing something supernatural doing something being protected supernaturally while handling a dangerous snake i think that's the premise yeah yeah this is a thing yeah but i don't know too many catholics that go down this road and i i while clearly there was a problem because someone ended up dying um yeah i what stood out to me about it is <clears throat> it reminded me of something that happened about a month ago <laughs> you Handled a snake? About a month ago, I did not handle a snake. I received a letter in the mail. <laughs> I received a letter in the mail that was handwritten, and it was personally addressed to us, Alina and yeah. I. Okay. And it was a full page front and back on lined paper handwritten. And I was like, I do not recognize this name. Who the oh. heck did this? So I read the letter. Seems very nice, very cordial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then about halfway through it, it starts talking about Jesus. And eventually, like, I'm just getting this air about it that's like, there's something about this that's like not, there's something off about this. Yeah. And about three quarters of the way through, I was like, okay. I turned to Alina and I'm like, babe, this has got to be like a Mormon babe. thing. Like babe, a or Jehovah's Witness. A... Okay. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get to the end of the letter. And it doesn't say anything other than like an invitation to chat about the faith. But then hidden behind the letter, which I hadn't seen until I read the whole thing, was a pamphlet about the Watchtower and Jehovah's Witnesses. Ah, it's a Watchtower. Yeah, the, yeah the, they like the Watchtower. Yeah, so. All the, along the Watchtower. The relevancy here is yeah. she, I don't know who this person is. She doesn't mm -hmm. know me. But yeah. she wrote a personal front and back letter, handwritten, wow. Wow. to me, wanting to share her truth with me because it might help me. Okay. Did, it was addressed to you? Does yeah. this person know you? No. Oh. Okay. So, like, I don't know if they're looking up the auditor's website or something, and, like, she literally wrote, to my neighbors, Nick and Alina Del Torre, and she didn't even, like, it, the, the return address was not, she wasn't a neighbor. She just met our, oh. as a neighbor in the community or something. My point is, like, she really put it out there. And she, like, put significant effort into writing a front and back page about caring about us, hoping we're doing well in COVID. And you're upset about that. You don't like that. You I don't want bad. people to care about me. No. Okay. Um, no, what it is is what I was really stricken by is, dude, she stricken put by. some serious effort into evangelizing or, or from yeah, their yeah, perspective, yeah. proselytizing. And, and then we see these snake handlers like mm. you know on some level i want to believe that these people are putting themselves at risk 
in order to glorify God, even if it's not necessarily the smartest way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, that I was see a pun. What you did yeah, there. look at that. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, and I just, it, what it got me thinking is, man, these people are obviously crazy, but yeah, like, what have they figured out about courage? And the importance, I don't mean courage in the face of snakes, I mean courage in the face of um, being criticized or being whatever, like for the sake of the gospel. And in in contrast, we as Catholics are so easily found sitting in the pews for one hour a week and then going through our week as though we're practically atheists. Hey, talk talk about, speak for yourself, man. That's not me. What do you mean we as Catholics do that? Uh, do you do you see letters going out or people knocking on doors to talk to people about the Catholic Church? I, I just think that like it was interesting because we're you know, when we want to evangelize as a Catholic church, we have to start a program. Or we have mm. to like, you know, yeah, 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 we have yeah, to yeah, get yeah. a DVD series or something. And you're saying it's much simpler to just write a letter or grab a snake. No, That's I'm not your position. saying that. It's um, your position but, here. But I do take think- up your snakes and follow me. <laughs> No, but I, I definitely am intrigued by like, man, why are we? Why do we not feel a greater compulsion as Catholics to like share the good news? It is good news. So like, are we not a instilling in our members that it is in fact good news? You know, the same people that are not sharing the gospel in our Catholic pews might be sharing the gospel of a great steak dinner they had last night. You know, they might be talking about something else they're excited about. But why are why why are people not excited enough about the faith to evangelize about it? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard. To tell. I mean, it's hard to tell if you're handling a snake because you love Jesus, or if you're handling a snake because you're just crazy. Agreed. Agreed. However, where do you draw that line? Because, you know, in theory, they're basing it on things they read in the New Testament. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with stuff like that, like only you can, this is like the difference between what you ought to do and then what, you know, like virtue or just heroic virtue can sometimes call us to do things that are over and above what's required morally. Like, like it's not wrong to preserve my life because I'm a father and have lots of kids, but to lay down my life for someone I hardly know is like a heroic. It's like over and above what's required of me morally. And yeah, it's hard to tell all that stuff is hard to tell. It's hard to tell. You know, I interviewed, I interviewed, um, the, uh, Julia Dween who covered, she wrote a book called in the house of the serpent, handler and she followed um these pastors that had they they were snake handling churches and she was she was trying to she was trying to follow the story of how social media impacted these pastors because on the one hand exactly what you're saying like are you touching a snake just to like you know gain some type of authority other than a spiritual authority you're just doing it just because like hey look at me i'm touching this snake and right i'm gonna be fine are you doing it for the social media clout are you doing it to attract people like what is your motives and i think these kind of things it's impossible to tell unless it's just impossible to tell it's impossible to tell someone's motives um in these things so i i don't know i don't know why people don't uh touch snakes more and more if, if that's what you're I, I don't know why Catholics don't share. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. What was it, your question? Well, no, I mean, you're answering it, but I think that there's also a factor in there of like, okay, Jesus tells us that we're going to do greater things than even he did when he was on the earth, you know, like go, yeah. go forth. And- I'm open to it. Like, I think, I think it's hard to read the gospels and not, it's hard to read the gospels and the, especially the acts of the apostles and not feel pressured at least into being open to the fact that crazy stuff happens when you try to follow Jesus and that like just to be open to the possibility of crazy things happening. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know at what point you just, I think that's for every person in the moment to decide there's something that happens inside of you when you're following Jesus, like in those moments that I, I mean, I don't know what St. Maximilian Colby, like, I don't know if he was like rationally or like when he made the decision to step forward and take the place of someone else and knowing that he's going to die. Like, what does that feel like? Is that a rational thing? Is he totally in his right mind? Is it, is he, is he just compelled forward? Does he jump? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, well, you know what, that, that's actually a really interesting example because he ended up like, there are miraculous things attributed to him. Uh, not the least of which is once he was in uh, what did, what was it called? Not an isolation isolation chamber or whatever, but like they yeah. couldn't kill him. Like they tried to kill him and they couldn't kill him. And it's not like when he stepped forward, he knew that his life was not at risk. It yeah, was it yeah, was I mean, his willingness, his humble willingness to be a martyr to save someone else, and then God did some amazing things. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it to what your point is is like don't walk around wanting to look like a miracle worker walk around wanting to save people walk around being humble um and i think maximilian yeah you can't you can't convince people to live that way like you can't convince i mean i i've spent 10 years trying to talk to people or convince people i guess to share the gospel and like it's it's impossible right like just to tell someone to share the gospel you can convince someone to be open to the possibility that something other than the physical world exists. You can be, you can convince someone to be open to the possibility that Jesus is God. You can convince someone to be open to the possibility that what we mean by God wants to have a relationship with you. You you can convince them of those. You, you can get someone to that point. And then that leap of faith that you have to make, not the leap of faith, but the, 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 the faith that happens, I think is that's why, unless that is the motivation for you having the burden of the gospel, it is just grabbing snakes and trying to make people attend your church or it, it, it is just grabbing snakes in order that people would affiliate with some organization. And it's really hard to tell people that they should spread the gospel without, without destroying that motivation or, or like, yeah, like tr- like mutilating it. Yeah, I used I used to think I should share the gospel not because I felt like God loved me and I had a relationship with Jesus. I used to think I should share the gospel because I was insecure about my decision to be Catholic, and I wanted other people to affirm that decision by saying they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to tell someone like, oh, well, you should that share the gospel. That is so interesting. I'm very interesting. I'm extremely <laughs> interesting. No, but that's person. a really interesting like introspective truth that probably a lot more people than you would think would relate to. Um, and how does that even play out in your own identity, in your own spiritual identity? Like, how do you come to terms with that dynamic where you're looking for validation about your own choice by convincing other people? Yeah. Like if I have to, if I have to, I don't know. I mean, I'm still processing all this. Obviously I'm not 
Sherry Waddell, but like the, in my experience, trying to convince people that evangelization is really important, you can just say it, but unless they are changed by Jesus, like it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't, they're just doing it because Edmund is guilting them into doing it or mm. because Scott, Scott Hahn said it was important and that's not bad. I mean, that's a good place to start. That's where I started, but, but, um, yeah, man, what makes someone, what makes a man stand up in front of a group of people and, and pick up a snake and get bitten and die? Yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend that book by Julia Dween because it's, it, it's complicated. It's really complicated. Like, I mean, I I've said this a lot, but there was a, uh, some NPR, there was some thing on faith and they interviewed a bunch of different people of faith and they interviewed Billy Graham's, uh, like granddaughter and, it was like the, the whole thing was about faith and doubt. And they interviewed Billy Graham's granddaughter and said, do you think your deceased grandfather, do you think he ever doubted? And she immediately said, no, never. He never doubted. Interesting. And that's just, I remember shouting at the radio or the internet or shouting. And that that's just not, that's, I mean, who reads the Bible and thinks that no one ever, like that that's our model of faith. It's yeah, there, complicated. There's like a pressure to always be perfectly like in, you know, simpatico with the gospel and with God. But like, man, even the people in the Bible were not always simpatico with freaking the po the first yeah. Pope, Peter, was not always simpatico with Jesus. He yeah. denied him three times. Um, yeah, I, I, I have complicated motivations and like I, I want, I want to say that all of my motivations are pure and faithful, but a lot of times they're not. And that's complicated. And, um, so it's hard to say, it's hard to say whether or not someone's doing it because of faith or because of yeah. the gospel imperative. And, um, it's difficult. And that's why also I hesitate to, you know, how, how do you tell someone that the gospel is important? That's why my first mm. gut reaction is like, you can't, you can't tell people the gospel is important. At least that's where I'm at today, 2021, my mm. life, my experience is that it's really difficult to say that if you don't, if they don't, if they aren't just changed by Jesus first. Yeah, that's really interesting. But I also feel like there is a place for intentional efforts of evangelization, but, but somehow reconciling that with the truth of what we're talking about, like the real human experience, you know, not like, and this is one of the biggest tenets for me with awakened Catholic as the president. Like I'm always telling everybody like, don't do not wear a label that says I am uber Catholic and I'm going to use Catholic lingo and all this stuff like awakened Catholic is not for people that already levitate when they pray the rosary mm, awakened yeah. Catholic is is to have real human conversations that are challenging and not always clean cut and um, there is that reality uh, and, and even I think you know another example is like when we have Christian or Catholic celebrities even just having them enter into celebrity status, there's immediately an unfair pressure put on them from even like a, a business standpoint to always be on, to always be uber Catholic or Christian, to always be simpatico with God. And we just saw yeah. a couple of days ago a heart-wrenching tweet from Audrey Assad. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. announced yeah. that. So Audrey Assad was this incredible rising uh, Christian artist. Oh, oh, she was a Christian artist. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's an incredible artist for sure yeah, and, yeah. and a beautiful yeah. uh, person inside and out. But like she was this Whoa. rising uh, Christian artist and specifically she was Catholic and she had this beautiful Catholic music. And um, she just announced a couple of days ago that for the last several years she had been wrestling with nihilism and that she really doesn't identify as Christian at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know what? 
that is super heartbreaking, but it's also like, I am here for that honesty. I'm here for that conversation. And, um, I, I think that the struggle is real. Like I myself came to Catholicism out of agnosticism, flirting with atheism. Like I, I totally relate to some of those challenges. Um, but I think that the hardest thing is reconciling that this isn't like, this isn't just an idea. Like Christianity isn't just an idea. It's a person to have a relationship with. And so yeah. it's ultimately a question of what does that relationship look like? It's not just an idea to be kind of chewed on through different lenses of philosophy and theology, but like Jesus Christ is alive and he yeah. is active and engaged in our lives. Like, so it's, it's less just philosophizing and theologizing, but it's the actual relationship that keeps me grounded in faith as an ex uh, agnostic atheist. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I want to talk about what you said about, you know, the Catholic celebrities and stuff. I think we're just figuring all this stuff out. And I think, I mean, I remember a time where a diocese was, you know, slapping our wrist for like retweeting the wrong people. I remember a time where, um, mm. you know, di- you know, dioceses were slapping your wrist as a youth minister. If you had, if you had, if you were like Facebook friends with, with teens from your youth group or oh, if you yeah. had like all this stuff, like, I think we're just figuring out the internet. And I think in a world like we're still, the internet is so young and we still approach the internet like old tv and an old tv you only got five minutes on tv ever like you only got your five minutes of fame and so you better have your five minutes of your message right and you better have exactly what you're going to say you better say it exactly right and there's no room for editing or revising or changing your mind and i think we're slowly realizing that 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 approaching the internet today that way is untenable because 13 year olds are tweeting and they're one day going to be 50 and there's right. gonna be some things that have changed since then. And like the same with our, um, quote unquote Christian celebrities. I mean, like for better, I mean, whether you like it or not, like we are quote unquote, like we're, we are celebrity. It doesn't matter how many people are following. Like we're all just everyone on the internet in one way or another is a Christian celebrity. Like, the, like you're, you're on the internet, you're acting and you're saying stuff. So I think we just have to, I, I think we're seeing a growth of people understanding and giving more patience or tolerance. Like, I remember the whole dumb thing about like retweets are not, are not endorsements. Like I remember people like their employers forcing them to put that in their Twitter bios. Like anyone cares or anyone really thought, oh, you retweeted this person. Yeah. So you vouch for everything they've ever done. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I, more and more, I think like. Christians, I guess if we're trying to talk about that, like Christians are, are finding more and more that the way they operate in the internet needs to be the same way you would operate with your neighbor who lives literally next to you. And that is a long term thing where you might say stuff that's offensive. You might go back on it. You might like change your mind. It's just. Well, and the other thing related to that is, gosh, when you're having a real conversation with someone, like let's say you have a neighbor over, there's no reason to assume the neighbor that you're having over for dinner believes the same things you do, whether politically or religiously or whatever. So you're going to have dialogue that in person at dinner potentially challenges your preconceived notions or challenges your own ways of thinking. And that's a good thing. Like, I really struggle with it. I really struggle with this. I realize the hypocrisy in me, who used to be a full-time parish minister and who makes stuff on the internet where I talk about the faith, I still struggle with this. The tone in which you, a lot of times, I guess, people, myself, I'll just speak for myself. When I speak about the faith on in a video, 
there's a certain tone I take sometimes that I wonder if I were to just show that to mm. an atheist or a friend, if I would not be a little embarrassed, not because I'm embarrassed of the gospel, but because it just sounds like, who the heck are you talking to? Like, yeah. you're, 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 and I struggle with that. I struggle with like, who am I teaching? Who am, yeah. who am I, who am I like? Yeah. So anyways, I, I think it's an issue that we're going to continue to, well, the hard thing with that is you do have to understand your target audience. Like, if you are developing content that is for people that are already in the pews, you're going to exactly. talk differently exactly, than if yeah. you're aiming at people that are not already in the Catholic jacuzzi. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we sit as an organization at Awaken Catholic is we're very specifically, we love our Catholic audience, but, like, they follow us because they like what we're doing for the non-Catholic listener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Catholic is in our name. Catholic is our identity, but like we're specifically communicating ideas in a way that we hope is reaching people that aren't already sitting in the pews uh, or are sitting in the pews, but are nominally engaged otherwise. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. And, and I just think that the other component there is charity. Like if, if, you know, it's so easy to like fury tweet at something, but like if you're actually in front of the person you're tweeting at in person, are you going to convey the same level of anger, the same le level of yeah. a lack of charity yeah. in person? And that's yeah. where what you said is so important about like, man, handle your, your online relationships and interactions the way you would in person, because you'll find yourself looking a lot less like a douche. Unless you are a douche. Unless case, you are. You're going to, you're, you, the answer to that is yes, this is how I talk to people in person. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean. It's tough out there, guys. So be safe on the internet. I, I don't know. I I like to think. So I have this thing written on the wall. Heart heart speaks unto heart. It's from that. Uh, it's from some Latin thing yeah. from Newman. And I don't know. I resonate with that. I think I I had to navigate all of that. Right, like getting up in front of an audience and talking about God or speaking publicly about things or whatever. Um, for me the answer to all of those challenges of how do you do that appropriately for me was to, to develop a place where I felt like I could speak from my heart to people. And sometimes that's really difficult and it doesn't come across the cleanest. Mm -hmm. it, do it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make the most sense all yeah. the time. Um, and I really struggle with that with the show, uh, my podcast, which you should go listen to, uh, and you can watch on YouTube or Facebook, uh, and most podcast apps you can download and subscribe. So when I do the show, like I wanted a space to just be me yeah. and not worry about, you know, making sure I say like, mm -hmm. because as Catholics, we all know that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And I really struggle with that because there are situations where people get confused and feel like I'm supposed to tell them the right answer to believe. Right. Like people are not, they don't want you to be yourself. They want you to conform to their worldview or their line of thinking. Or they want, or they want to make sure, like, they want to make sure that you say it the right way right. or that you, like, yeah. well, you're, are you conveying the right thing about the Catholic Church? And, and it's, yeah. it's difficult. I mean, it's I got to be honest problem. with you, that, that has been such a turnoff to me in social media. Like the fact that it's no longer a place that you can share your opinion about something because you need to have historically researched every little dynamic of that opinion to make sure that you're preserving yourself from any historian's criticism or any like sociologist's criticism or theologian's criticism. Like if you post something that is just slightly less than perfectly worded, you're going to get blasted by all of the well, keyboard okay. trolls. 
but here's the thing here's like here's my pushback on that just because and and i mean i'm biased so listeners take that with a grain of salt right because like i do social media like it's now my career is i make money helping people do social media so take it with a grain of salt but i think and you know me like i'm the big gary vanderchuk fan so whatever but i really think a lot of those issues though are non-issues like that's an issue if you make it an issue if you read comments right joe joe rogan tweets stuff and then just like shuts off his phone and then doesn't like and then there's a garbage pile under uh, in the comments and yeah i don't know i mean for me it's like those things are an issue if you make it an issue like you can i mean unless someone is actually going unless people are actually going to get you fired from something then okay yeah it's an issue but i think for most of us a lot of that is in the mental game it's just in how we react and if you have a cousin that's saying some stuff and it makes you really feel like you can't be opinionated I don't know. As my counselor, Dave McLeod says, you know, it sounds like the problems with you, like mm. me, like if I say my opinion and I want to say my opinion yeah, and then yeah. I don't like how someone comments about it, that's, that's really, I mean, sure. Like they shouldn't be a jerk. Like, but, why do you need their validation? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, um, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I, obviously it's easy for me to say it's easier said than done. Yeah. I also get hurt by comments like yeah. youtube comments like, oh yeah there have been some that you've shared with me that i was just like why why did that person need to say that to you i, I totally yeah, yeah so it's it you know the, it's to me thing, the but... challenge with that is i agree with that principle of of just not letting that stuff affect you however that really isn't different than telling your little kid that comes home from school after getting bullied don't worry about what those people tell you like it's really yeah, not and, different i mean yeah but like it's, it's just like that's part of the game kind of right like yeah. you have to like i homeschool my kids and i tell my wife all the time like if they don't get bullied i'm gonna have to bully them like <laughs> if, like because they have to learn how to deal with bullies like the point is not to shelter them from bullies and like would yeah. social media be so much better if we didn't have yeah hate? we, we want our like, kids to have character exactly it's yeah. like you gotta learn that's a skill you have to learn and we're learning that on the internet and social media is like you can just block people or unfollow people yeah. or or not be on the internet yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, though, that was a big impetus for us at Awaken Catholic. Like, you know, from my personal experiences and from the experiences that people have shared in our community, um, we just we wanted to create kind of a clean slate for people to share their life with each other and build community and get to know new people without there being a, a climate of um, criticism and a climate of like you know, you better be perfect or else. So we took the time to be really intentional about developing a beautiful set of community policies in our app. So, sorry, what I meant to say is, a we'll lot of this after is this commercial for awakened a lot of app. this is why we created an app that not only is a hub for awakened catholic content but it's also a social media alternative where very specifically you better act like a ch- charitable decent person or else like if you're going to be Nick's mean to each you. other i will ki- kick you I off. or some of our other mods uh, moderators mm-hmm. are going to can you because we don't need bullies like why yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways if you're yeah, interested I mean, that's, that's and that's the thing like like people get mad when people get canceled and blah 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 and it's like well i mean if you go over someone's house you got to play by the house rules and then the, yeah like otherwise don't go in the house and i get that there's the argument about whether or not social media is a utility that everyone has a right to or or everyone should have access to so there's a there's an argument to be made there but also you know like that's kind of how it goes like if you walk into someone's living room if you're like my rules go and if i don't want you to act a certain way i have a right to say get out of my living room yeah 100 percent. um so you know the nice thing is like we do want to cultivate 
in the Awakened Catholic app community, we want people to be diverse in their perspectives and stuff. It's not about canceling ideas. We are just not going to let people be mean to each other. Like, mm. it's just yeah. not going to be tolerated. Um, and uh, so far, there's only one comment or post, rather, that I've had to uh, remove. And it wasn't yeah. because... Say his name. Say his name. <laughs> it Say wasn't it right because here. it wasn't because they were being uncharitable or anything. It was a perfectly decent post. It was just in the wrong type of chat group so or uh, ah, community group. So I was like, "Hey, repost this in this other group." Um, but yeah, it's wow. been it's been really really cool and seeing people kind of getting a f- feeling the freedom to share who they are and about their life and stuff without the potential for ridicule. Like, it's so cool. You you can almost see the difference in people's the types of posts that they share and like the type of information they share about themselves when ridicule is not on the table. Mm. Um, so that's been a really neat thing to see as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's so pretty neat. So. Ultimately, my question to you, though, oh yeah, was give it how give it. how do we get Catholics excited about Catholicism, about the Lord, um, to the point that they would write a front and back handwritten letter to people they don't even know? Why I mean, why, I, why do Jehovah's Witnesses believe more in the Watchtower than than Catholics believe in the Vatican? Well, I don't think that they do. I mean, there's people doing crazy, awesome things in the church. I think, uh, I guess your question is how, how do you motivate someone to get to the point where they yeah. would write a letter like that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think again, like I think in my experience, having people impacted by Jesus himself, like being transformed, I mean, I, I I get your point though earlier where it's like you have to tell people that that is part of the mission at some point. Well, but- I, honestly, that that's less my point, and it's m- more my point is what are parishes doing to keep people from getting inspired or, or have encounters with Jesus? Like, what are parishes doing to get oh, in the I way mean, of everything. people I mean- being transformed by God? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot. There's a lot. I mean, there's so much you could do a whole a two hour episode just on that. But, um, I think some of it was, we're still struggling with, uh, the clericalism of like, well, evangelizing is for a priest and not for me. And then, um, we just still struggle with all of that with, um, well, I don't want to be too holy. Also the privatization of religion that it needs to be kept in the private sector. And it's not for the pub. It's not for your friends or it's not for other people. Right. I think we, we don't model that. We don't, we, we also honestly don't even celebrate it necessarily as parishes we don't really celebrate people doing that um it's just not it's just not part of most parishes culture i think there's some parishes that are trying to change that and i think there's movements that are trying to change that and i'm but um yeah there's so many things there's so many things stopping uh, stopping people from getting mobilized to do that i i mean honestly i really think the biggest thing if because we're we don't have all the time in the world, but I think it's just people aren't changed by the gospel. Mm. I I think, yeah, I just think that's it. Like people aren't changed by the gospel and like, I think that's it. I just think that's it. I think, how do we fix it? Oh man. How do we fix How might one, (laughs) how might one fix it? How might one talk to a friend about that? Uh, I think how you fix that is by being changed by the gospel. Boom. I think that's I think that's how you fix it is if you yeah like if you care about evangelization and want other people to care about evangelization I think you just have to be changed by Jesus um 
because otherwise it's not compelling. Like it's just not. And so I, I kind of have been making the argument lately that if you're like curious, what is what is the gap? How do I cross the gap between where I'm at now and, and where that is that you're you know proposing of being transformed? I've been proposing lately that it's not the gap is not to be filled by God because He's there offering the groundwork for that that it's on our end that the issue is and that we need to sell out for God. Like mm. if if we're struggling to be transformed or to see God in our lives, it's because we're holding back parts of ourselves or parts of our lives from God. Yeah. And if we're willing to totally turn all of that over, bar nothing, that's where we'll see the changes happen. Yeah. I heard some saying once that I'm going to butcher it was something like a sinful priest will make devils of his parishioners. A mediocre priest will make sinful parishioners. Uh, a virtuous priest will make mediocre parishioners. A holy priest will make mediocre parishioners. And then it was like a saintly priest will make virtuous parishioners. And it's like, it's like the impact of those around you is a direct reflection on your own holiness like it's a direct reflection on how changed yeah. you've been so i mean I, I i have a heart for those people like there are pe when i work to parish ministry there's so many people that come to you that like why don't people care about this like why you know my son doesn't care about this or other people don't care why why they want to do something that comes from a good place but i really think the first thing is to to be changed by the gospel <laughs> like yeah. if you want people to care about changing others for the gospel like be changed by jesus yeah um, and that's a proactive thing it's not just going to happen by accident no i mean it's the most it is the thing it's yeah. like that's the thing we do with the rest of our lives is to try to be changed by the gospel i mean i think yeah i mean i think pope francis has been trying to show some of that and try to yeah i don't know i think there are examples that people could go out to find of how that might look but that's the hardest thing is to be changed by the gospel yeah. Amen, dude. Um, it, if you are watching or listening and you're like, oh, this sounds so great, but it sounds so lofty and, you Good. know, Edmund's eyebrows are kind of disturbing me. If that's you, we're here for you. You're not going to heaven. That's that's what you need to hear <laughs> is if that's you, you're not going to make it. You're False. not getting there. You're not getting there at all. Don't listen to Edmund. Uh, no, if that's you, like, honestly, we're, we're there too. Like it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but, but gosh, the fruits of it, like the, this, whenever we turn ourselves over to the Lord, like it is only a good thing. Um, I've seen in my own life so much healing and so much transformation and it has every, in every single instance of that, it's always been a result of me, like giving up the ninja grip that I have on my life and letting God take hold of myself, um, in every area. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's a daily choice and, um, it, it, it need not be something that intimidates you. It's, it's an exciting prospect. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Edmund, any, uh, parting words? I highly recommend man's man before God by Adrian von Speyer, the first chapter, uh, kind of, you know, I don't know. I remember that. And that talks a lot about it's titled limit and it's overcoming and how to overcome like our human limit and what that looks like to yeah what that looks like so i would just recommend that that's a good one i've read i read that a lot that's awesome edmund mitchell where can people find you 
People can find me on the internet if you search Edmund Mitchell with a U. I'm on YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. Um, and yeah, Instagram is where I'm the most active. Instagram.com slash Edmund Mitchell is where I'm the most active. If you DM me, I respond to every DM. Wow. Yeah. Is, is there a different kind of Edmund, not with a U? Well, most people spell it like they just, when they go to spell it, they spell it with an O. And really? They spell it, a lot of people do, and they spell it wrongly. Yeah. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. Edmond, Edmond Dantes, Edmond. I think, is spelled that way. Edmond. Edmond. Edmond, yes. Uh, Why would anyone do that? That's terrible. I don't know. I don't know. It's wrong. It's it's bad. I think we should round up those people and send them to another country. <laughs> I think the people that spell it that way, we should we should make another country that they go to to live where they spell where they spell it that way. But this is not that country. I still love the story of when we first met, dude. Wait, what story? Related to your name. I shared this on the old podcast of Nick and Alina conversations with Nick and Alina. I shared this on there. So we met at a rally on the way to the March for Life, and uh you were a brand new youth minister at St. Patrick of Heatherdowns, and I was okay, okay, okay. a youth minister at another parish here in the diocese. And so we're like, do, you know, doing music and stuff. And I see you from across the room, and you've got this massive crucifix hanging from your oh, neck. Oh yeah! Like you oh, were yeah. like, listen, I am Catholic, and you will know it by my Dude, crucifix. It, and, and, and it was on one of those things where if you if you uh, if you pushed the corpus like the so it was a cross, but if you pushed Jesus, Jesus would spin around. <laughs> That's how big it was. The original, the original fidget spinner. Um, yeah. No. So y you had this massive crucifix hanging from your neck that I could see from literally across the gymnasium. Yeah. And I was like, you saw Yo, it. this dude is holy, and he's handsome. Oh. You were younger then. Um, and, <laughs> and so uh, someone finally introduces us after the event, and uh, and they they called you Edmund, and I was like, Hey, Ed, it's great to meet you. And you were like, No, it's not Ed. It's it's Edmund. Edmund. Yeah. And I was like, well, I get that a lot. I was like, oh, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I get it a lot because my dad's name is Edmund, so he goes by Ed. Well, I, I think I'm, it's, I'm, tech, I'm technically I mean, Edmund Joseph Mitchell the second because my dad is also an Edmund. I think it's charming. Thank you. I think it's beautiful. Well, Ladies and you. gentlemen, this has been the Awakened Catholic Show. I have been Nick Delatore and. This gentleman has been Edmund Mitchell for your eyes and your ears. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Thank you so much for being here today, for, for watching or listening. Um, so we're going to put links to all of Edmund's like websites and socials in the video description. Uh, and uh, we will make sure you download our app and maybe join the Awakened Nation if you want to support stuff like this. Uh, sorry, Colleen, I'm kind of flying through these here. Uh, we will see you next time here at the Awakened Catholic Show. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.